is this thing happening to me? Why is what uh, this unfortunate situation or this tragedy or this death in the family or this conflict in my life, why is this happening? We have seen Job cry out for an answer to this question this entire book. Why is this happening to me? Now, they thought his buddies thought that they knew why because he was some great wicked and had done some great wicked thing. He knew that wasn't the case. He knew he hadn't done anything wrong. I mean, obviously it wasn't perfect. He said so, but he hadn't done anything wrong to deserve it. So why is it happening? I found this poem by Maria Featherson. And I think that we've probably all been here. It's called, Why God? God, why did this happen? Questions my soul needs to know. If you really love me, why am I hurting so? Why did you let it happen? The power is in your hand. Why did you not stop it? Please help me understand. I know it's for a purpose. I have to figure out. What is your reason? Please help me with my doubt. Is there some lesson that I'm supposed to learn? By walking through this faithfully, your favor will I earn? Is it because you want me to know what suffering really means, so I will be more grateful for the joy better days will bring? The Bible says you never leave, and I know you cannot tell a lie, but my heart is hurting so bad, please God, tell me why. Uh, how many times have we been there? We got something happening, and we don't know why. Uh, and we want to know why. Well, this, for 37 chapters, has been Job's cry, and has been the false friends' attempts at explaining to Job why. They were wrong in their explanations, but they were, they thought they were doing him, they thought by kicking him while he was down that this would, uh, this would accomplish some purpose in teaching him a lesson. But they were wrong in explaining it, and he was just wondering, still, left wondering. In chapter 38, God begins to speak. This is the first time God has spoken. Job finally hears from God. After Elihu, remember Elihu we talked about last week? He was the young punk. He waited until uh, chapter 36. All this time he's listening to the older ones talk. I listen to Job talk. And finally he says, I'm fed up. I've had enough. I've heard enough from you guys. Let me talk now. And he starts to talk. And boy does he talk. He keeps going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny for like four chapters. Now, here's what's interesting. Let's pray before we start, and then we'll get going. <laughs> I want to get started on this. Thank you, Lord, for the time. Pray a blessed reading your word tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Look at the end of verse 24. If you go back to the speeches, you'll find that each one, and they end speaking, or they finish their, and that's all I have to say. And that's what, they all finish their little speech uh, each time they end it. Elihu doesn't end it. He is still pontific, and he is just a blowhard, full of himself, talking in verse 24. Men be therefore fear him, respecteth not any that are wise of heart. Then the Lord asked the Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? You know what I see happening there? Uh, first of all, there was a whirlwind. I don't know if they were sitting there. I'm trying to read this and get the picture. If they were sitting there and there was a storm, but uh, Elihu mentioned a whirlwind back in up in uh, number seven, not verse nine. So evidently there was some kind of storm going on or something, and this whirlwind, and he's just yapping away, and then God's voice comes, and I think he interrupted Elihu. I think he just said, "Ha! Enough!" to Elihu, like Elihu had said to them, "Who is this?" <coughs> <coughs> that <coughs> darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge. In today's language, who is this empty-headed fool that won't stop talking? 
That's basically what he's saying here. He doesn't have any knowledge, but he keeps on talking. Now God is speaking. Uh, right away we see the intent of the speech. Look at what it says in verse 3. Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. So he's talking to Job. Uh, in verse 1 it says he's answering Job. And now God is finally speaking. 38 chapters we've waited. Weeks and weeks and weeks. Now we've got an answer. God is finally talking. You would suppose, you would think, that with all the previous chapters of the question why that Job is begging for, that finally when God speaks, he's going to fill him in. Don't you? Wouldn't you expect that? That's not what happens. The purpose of God's speech here, his response, is not to explain Job's sufferings. Now, we think that's what it should be as we read because that's what we've been waiting for. Finally, God's speaking. Finally, there's ways. Now he's going to explain. But no, he doesn't do that at all. The divine purpose of this speech was to honor God, specifically to cause Job to stop complaining about God and instead give due honor to him. <clears throat> this is the most important thing for us to understand in our life who God is. We must not forget who he is. Because as soon as we forget who he is, we start to diminish him and we start to elevate ourselves. And soon we see ourselves as more important than we see him. And so God does some reminding here. He starts to ask Job some questions. Uh, he, he, uh, he, he tells Job basically the, the, uh, the, the type of conversation we're going to have here is a Q&A time. He says, I'm going to demand of thee and answer thou me. So, the point seems to be, <clears throat> Job, since you seem to know so much about God, let me ask you whether or not you could run the universe I've made. You challenge me, now I'm going to challenge you. This is the response he gets from God. God's speech to Job shows that he is very concerned about his honor. In fact, the Bible talks about him being jealous of his honor, jealous, righteous jealousy. He has a right to be. Job had dishonored God in his words. Now this was Job, uh, so God's focus was back to his honor versus Job's sufferings. All the other injuries uh, that were suffered through this book, even Job's, were not important compared to the honor of God. In fact, when God finally gets around to rebuking the three bozos that were talking to Job in Job chapter 42 verse 7, the very first thing, he uh, rebuked them for how they spoke about God. They were again, uh, going against his honor, not for how they spoke against Job. He got to that too. But I think this is quite instructive for us. Because usually our focus in our prayer life, our focus in our attitude, is right here. It's about me. It's all about me. And when our focus turns inward, we're in trouble. And Job, Job did that. I mean, now, who can blame him, okay? A lot of bad things happened to him. Not even, we're not going to face near what Job faced in, in form of tragedy. But still his, <coughs> excuse me, I've been fighting a cold like terrible for a couple of days. Uh, his, his focus has been focused inward and it needed to get changed. So God begins to speak and he starts out by, when are you going to talk about you, Job? You're not even going to come up for a while. It's a hard thing to learn that you're not the center of the universe. Remember when you learned that? Usually after we're teenagers, right? Because when we're teenagers, we're the center of the universe. The whole they, We went to school and we would laugh when they talked about the world circling around the sun. We knew the earth circled around us. Uh, we were the center of the universe. Not so, and Job needed to be reminded of that too. 
The most important thing in your life, friend, is that you honor God. That's the most important thing, that we honor God. By the way, when we do that, the reward is out of this world. We want, you don't understand, we don't want to make, the world likes to make God look like some kind of monster because he demands honor. This is in our best interest to do so. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So, he says, uh, introduces a speech. Then said the Lord, uh, the Lord answered Job out of the world. When two things are noted here, the Lord and the location. God himself is speaking to Job. He does so out of the whirlwind. And uh, I, again, think that this is a rude interruption to Elihu. I think Elihu's mouth was open and ready to keep on talking when God just broke in and interrupted his speech as he well should have. After asking about Elihu, basically, who's this blowhard, God gives some instructions to Job <coughs> what he's about to say. <clears throat> if, <laughs> if God is telling you, Gird up your loins like a man. Basically, this idea is that, um, you know, the real robes, you had to, if you were ready to, if you're gonna run, if you're gonna work, or if you're gonna fight, you have to gird up your loins so basically you could move, uh, basically have to pair of shorts, more like a pair of shorts on than you would have a big long flowing robe. And so Job's basically like, uh, God is telling Job, you're gonna have to get ready for a fight here because, uh, he says, gird up your loins like a man, this isn't gonna be pleasant and easy to hear. Alright, so he's telling him to prepare. If, uh, by the way, we need to be prepared if we're going to hear, hear God speak to us through the Word of God, uh, through the church services on Sunday. Uh, we need to be prepared in our hearts, in our minds. If we pour a lot of garbage in our ears or our eyes, it's hard for God to break through that sometimes. And so, uh, we also need to prepare ourselves. Number three, verse three, I will demand of thee, and I'll answer me. But again, this is a Q&A method. God's going to ask the questions. Job is to supply the answers. There are 75 questions asked by God to Job. And as it turned out, it was mostly question time because there weren't any answers given. You can read, read the questions. There were questions that didn't have answers. There were questions that, you know what they are. When you hear a question, sometimes uh, from your mate or sometimes from a friend where the question is the point. The question isn't a question for information. The question is driving home the point. That's what God does to Job here, okay? So, <clears throat> as it turned out, Job is brought face to face with who he is and with who he was. And that's exactly what has to happen to us in times of trouble. We have to remember who we are and who he is, and then we won't have such negative things to say. Job is showing God's wisdom and his power uh, verse 3, I will demand of thee. Why does God, by the way, speak so sternly to Job, but not the three friends of Job, uh, uh, three friends of Job there, Elihu? Why is he picking on Job? Did you just stop to think about that for a second? Here are these three knuckleheads that have been nothing but beaten on Job for the last 37 chapters, and here's Elihu who's done it for the last four chapters, and God immediately starts grinding on Job as well. I think I have an answer for that. I think Job's worth more than the others. I think if you, uh, I think it's illustrated in the work of a jeweler. If you give a bunch of stones to a jeweler, he's going to grind the one the most that's worth the most. That's the most valuable. That's the one he's going to put the work into. I think that's what it was with Job. I think God knew he had a real gem in Job. He 
He's going to get to these other yokels in a little bit, but he's going to do a job right now. He's going to put him to the grindstone. He's going to polish him again and again while the others are ignored. And hey, this is encouraging because sometimes it feels to us like we're put through the ringer again and again and again. Everybody else seems to skate without any problems, and I keep going through it. Maybe God sees something in you. Maybe he sees some value in you. He sees, uh, sees uh, uh, something that he can make of you with a little more trouble and uh, problems. Like Job said, I'll come out, I'll come forth as gold. A.W. Tozer said this, It is doubtful that God can use anyone greatly until he has hurt him deeply. And uh, that's sometimes true for us. All right, let's look at some of the questions here. The creating of the universe. Verse 4, Where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Rhetorical question. Job wasn't around then. <laughs> Where were you when I made the planets? Uh, God laid the foundations for any of us who were around. And then verse 6, Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Who laid the cornerstone thereof? One of the great marvels of the universe is that the earth hangs on nothing. It's not on the back of a turtle, like they thought years and years ago. Uh, the, it is uh, hangs on nothing. Now, of course, with modern technology, and now we understand that the earth is out there on nothing, but for uh, hundreds and hundreds of years they thought different. <clears throat> number seven the morning stars sang together all the sons of God that, that's the angels shouted for joy the response from heaven about the material creation of the earth was a celebration only man complains about the creation you ever thought about that only man now the Bible says after sin came on the earth the very, the very creation groaned but uh, man really is the only one that complains about where we're at uh, verse 16 and 17, Hast thou entered into the spring of the sea? Or, uh, verse 17, Walked in the search of the depth. Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? There's still plenty unknown about creation even today. Not only materially, but also spiritually. The limitation concerning creation should humble us before God. Our limitation, our lack of understanding, our fact that we weren't there, and we don't under, we don't have any idea really how many things work, still even today in our advanced knowledge. This should humble us. How great is his wisdom and power? He's showing us that through creation. Number verse 18, hast thou perceived the breath of the earth? One cannot measure creation, uh, and one who can't do that uh, must honor the Creator, not complain about Him, is the point made there. Verse 19 through 20, Where is the way where the light dwelleth as for darkness? Where is the place thereof? Know the paths to the house thereof? There's another question Job can't answer, which requires him to recognize the greatness of God and to not complain about his dealings with mankind. Verse 21, we're just kind of flying through some of these. Knowest thou it? Because thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days is great? If you ever wonder if God's sarcastic, that's it right there. That's holy sarcasm. Hey, Job, you as old as I am? Are you like? Are you old and wise like me? He says, uh, he compares Job's age with his. Job was critical of God, and yet he was so inferior to him. We, he's being reminded of this. All right, 8, verses eight uh, verse number 8, Who shut up the sea with doors? Look at verse 11. He said, Hither too shalt thou come but no further. Uh, basically saying that the God not only created the universe, but he controls it. He illustrates this control by creating boundaries for the oceans. And what does he create the boundaries for the oceans with? Rock, solid, rock, no, sand. 
He, he makes these boundaries in many places with sand. Uh, sand is weak and unstable, yet God uses it to stop the oceans. Hey, this should encourage us too because we are weak and unstable. And God can use us in great ways too if we surrender to him. Hast thou commanded this morning since thy days? Uh, this is humbling. God asked Job, if, you've, if ever since he has been born, since thy days, have you brought the sun up? Have you commanded the dawn? Have you brought forth the day? We used to have a, growing up, we had a rooster. And he was dead convinced he was the one that brought the sun up. He did it every day. He stood on a fence post and hollered and hollered and hollered till it raised up in there. And you know, yep, well, my job here is done. And he went back to uh, bothering the hens. But uh, you're, you aren't calling up the dawn. You aren't calling up the sun. God can do that. Only God. We control our outcomes, we think. We want to. But we don't. We control nothing. It's the purpose of this interrogation. He goes on in this vein. He talks about the weather, the stars, the animals, and I, I, we could spend weeks again on that. But I want to jump over to verse, uh, chapter number 40. So if you turn over to chapter 40, and there's kind of an inter interruption here. Look at verse number 1. More of the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. In some of his comments, Job had complained that God hadn't treated him right. So after speaking to Job about creation and all the things that, the, the wonder and the wisdom of God, he puts Job on the spot. He forces him to respond to what creation has shown Job about God. And then he asks if Job has a response to what God has said. In other words, Excuse me. Does he imbue what God just has said, all these things, and we, I didn't go through all of it, do you still wish to continue your case against me? That's essentially what he asks here. If he does, let him answer it. And Job, if Job presumes to think that he can instruct God on how to act, let him say his peace. God's speech here intends to show Job that God's wisdom and power are beyond our wisdom and power. We can't answer the question, why? A lady called me yesterday, and I answered the phone here at church. It was a church phone, answered Bible Baptist Church. Why is this happening to me? Okay, that's all. No introduction, no nothing. Just, why is this happening to me? What's happening to you? And listed a few things that's happening. You know, I don't know, click. That was the end of the call, so I can continue to go on. I was going to say, I don't know, but try to encourage in another way. People want to know why. Sometimes we, we can't answer why, but one thing we can't do is start accusing God in the middle of it. And he shows us that. He showed Job that. Now, we know why Job suffered. We know Job suffered because of his righteousness, and yet God created something so much greater out of him and purified him. <coughs> Job didn't know that. Far be it from man to presume to tell God how to act. We tend to want to be God's advisors. But when we get a good look at God's wisdom, we get a good look at his power, we get a good look at who he is, and we're reminded about who we are and who we are not, we realize we're not very good advisors. I can tell you, there's a lot of people, and as a pastor I come across, they want to come to the church, they want to come to the Lord as uh, advisors. That's not the word I'm looking for. What is it when a company uh, hires people to... Uh, Consultants, thank you. They want to be consult. There's a lot of professional church consultants, God consultants. We just need to be willing to obey. 
We know according to the New Testament that the creation of God leaves man no excuse concerning God's existence. Remember that? Romans chapter 1. We learn from the book of Job that the creation of, man, of the universe leaves man with no excuse about God's authority as well. So, yes, it, it, creation leaves man no excuse about God existing. But it leaves us, as a Christian, we also can look at it as God just used and said, look around. You want to question me? With, with all my power and all my wisdom. You see, the devil has a plan for your life, friend. Doubt to make you question God and his motives. Discouragement to make your problems look bigger in your life than your God. That's discouragement. Division to magnify wrong things that you will want them more than the right things. De defeat, to make you feel like a failure so that you don't even try. Delay, to make you put off something that you know you should be doing, like being faithful to church or, or uh, be, you know, doing whatever the Lord has you do. Doubt, discouragement, diversion, defeat, delay. Those are, God, those are Satan's plan for your life, not God's. Those are Satan. That's what he wants in your life. Now, God's conversation with Job is a lot different than the condemnation by Job's friends to Job. The main theme of Job, of all their conversation to him, is that Job was a sinner, and that's what caused his great troubles. God's issue, this is, we need to see this, God's issue with Job is not the cause of Job's troubles, but the complaining in his troubles. That was God's problem with him. He did not, he, he, and again, if anybody has a right to complain, it's Job, right? All that happened to him, and we all agree with that. We complain a lot less than that. And yet, we have no right to do that. Job didn't. We don't either. Please notice that difference. There's love and growth, then, in God's discourse. There was only condemnation in the friends. But with God, there was something to grow from. Early in their marriage, Martin Luther, his wife, watched him battle some bouts of depression. He even questioned God's willingness to or ability to help him through the difficulties in his life. Well, she didn't say a word, but his wife donned the black dress and veil that she had reserved for funerals and times of mourning. Luther saw her when she walked into the room dressed that way, and he says, what? Why in the world are you dressed in those clothes? And she said, because God is dead. It's obvious by the way you're acting. It's a way to drive home the point. Well, he's not dead, amen? And he's still not dead. And he's not apathetic. He doesn't not care about what you're going through. He wants to grow us, not condemn us. We see that with Job. With all that he went through, the, 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 the goal in God's, wasn't, in God's heart was never to hurt him. It was to grow him. And we do not grow by uh, ease. Right? If you take a good look at Larry tonight, you'll see he went to the gym today, big bulky. Um, he was just telling me about his shoulder hurt a little bit tonight, maybe because he went to the gym. That's what happens, right? When we work hard and we push ourselves, and you're not going to get stronger by doing nothing. You get stronger by doing more. And we get stronger spiritually by God sometimes ladling a little more on us. And again, a reminder... With Job, he had a gem, and he, he refined that gem, and Job said, I'll come forth as gold. He'll do the same for you if you'll let him. Thank you, Father, for this, this uh, 
passage, I should say, this, uh, that we can learn from. We pray that you'd help us this evening. Put to practice the things that we learn from the book of Job. Help us, Lord, to see uh, ourselves in these situations that we uh, see in the Word. We pray that you'd be with us each and every one now. Thank you for the children's ministries going on and all those that are here. We're grateful for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.